0: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Moms Talk Autism podcast. Stay tuned cuz we got a little good
1: good grab bag. When you become a mom, you never imagine your child getting an autism diagnosis. It feels like your dreams have shattered, like a framed photograph falling off your mantle, exploding into a thousand pieces. But instead of trying to glue those pieces back together, this community of moms is here to help you build a new dream, a better one. So join in the conversation as us moms talk autism.
0: Hello, and welcome back, y'all. Oh my gosh, I feel like I haven't hosted a episode in a while and she's back <laughs> pull pull it together okay i got this hi guys it's natasha <laughs> and the girls
1: that was shannon snorting <laughs> no that was jean. just so everyone was knows not me. <laughs> oh, it was jean no I'll, I'll just blame it on shannon it's fine, okay. it's fine. Okay. oh gosh girls say hi hello hello
2: hello this is jean this is jean <laughs>
1: Snorting Jean.
0: Jean is here. Oh, my gosh. Okay. I will be on my best behavior. Here we go. We have not done a grab bag in a while, so why not? I think this is number 66.
3: Six? Is it number six?
0: Yes. 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 Okay. Here we go. Coming at y'all with the questions you want to know. Are we ready, girls? Yeah. You
3: just sounded like a radio host there.
0: I know. That's what I say. I could be a DJ. It was good. It was. Just- I could be a DJ. Jean could be a one nine hundred operator. Or Delilah. She could also be Delilah. Or Delilah. Okay, Whatever makes let's more focus. money right now. Gonna pick up. Yes, I'm gonna go with the first. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, okay. Seriously. Get it seriously. Seriously. Here we go. Are you guys ready? Yes. So I'm ready. ready. Our, our listeners want to know. Two, two part. Do any of your kiddos do vocal stimming? And how do you handle the volume when in public?
3: I just let her live her life. I just let her sing opera. You just,
0: oh, you're like a Kardashian. I'm just just
3: just live your life, girl. Just live I'm your just life. living my best life over uh, here. Yeah, Gracie vocally <laughs> stims all the time. Sometimes it's loud, sometimes it's not. It's almost always very repetitive. Um and I just let her live her life. Like, I don't know. I've, yeah. I've never been in a place where it would be significantly inappropriate, right? Like a funeral, maybe right. like, I can't think of any place where it would be really inappropriate that I've been. Yes. So. I'm going to go
2: with, it's a not yet, yet.
3: Not yet. Oh, I haven't sure. reached the. Yeah. 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 I haven't been there yet, but yeah, I just let I, her.
2: I feel like it's, let it's, let it's coming. It's coming. Just let her go.
3: Yeah. Brittany, you just let you just let Austin go too. You just let him go, yeah.
1: Yeah. So Ruby Ruby does not um, vocally stem. Mm-hmm. Austin does um, quite significantly. Uh, mm-hmm. It depends on the day and his sensory needs, um, and we just let that roll. That roll, yeah. That's not good, the a good time's like, roll. I'm trying to think of How's that free bird fly <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, we do – there are t- times and places where it, he is quite loud and um, there are – Can I
0: interject for a second? Yes.
1: Okay. So church, that's – I want to – That I, I was a, just about to talk about that. Oh, yeah. you
0: were. Okay. That's a great example because he doesn't go sometimes out of the sanctuary and just be like with like kids ministries or whatever. He stays in the main sanctuary, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we have – our church is divided up into there's a two hour block. So the first hour is in the chapel, large group, everybody's together congregation. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, he, we allow him to vocally stem if he needs to in there. If it, I, I kind of have my own personal like barometer about how loud I'll let it go. Um, if I think it's distracting other people around us, then we will just quietly go out into the hallway. Um, they have the, um, the microphone, um, Piped out there, like right. so you can listen to it out in the hall, and it's not a yeah. big deal. There's couches out there. There's like a foyer, so um, we can still listen and be part of you know the, uh, this, um, the worship yeah. service. But yeah, yeah, we we can give him the space he needs to to kind of regulate himself. Um, but but everyone's really used to it. It's quite interesting. Um, You know our our usual goers who are there every Sunday, like us, and um, I. It was really funny after we started going back to church, um, from COVID and everything, you know, everything was shut down for a while. No one was going, we're all on zoom church and all that stuff. And we came back. Um, we had several people come up to us and mention how much they missed hearing Austin
2: during,
1: during their services. And that that. that was just part of it. And I've also had somebody, um, There was a, I think there was like a special musical number. Somebody was doing a a musical performance during the service one day. And so they were recording it for their grandma or somebody else so they could listen to it when they weren't there. They were just like holding up their phone and audio recording um, the singing. And um, you could hear Austin in the background. And so she she was playing it for her grandma. She's like, what is that noise? What is that? You know, and it's, it's just Austin making noises and things. And she goes, I didn't even hear it. She goes. I, I. I. I was like, "What are you talking about? Like, oh. it didn't even occur to me. Like, we've all. They're just so used to it. Used like, to it's it. Not, mm-hmm. It's I not. even that. Well, and I
3: can say. Yeah. I can say that too. Like with Marco, it's funny because I was listening to you the other day, and Maya came in, and Maya was like, "What's in the background? And I was like, "What? <laughs> oh, it's Austin. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's just yeah. Austin. I just. Like, hear I don't you. know. Like. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the same thing.
1: Like he loves my hair he just smells yeah. my hair all the time. <laughs> and I just, I just keep continuing so co- talking to people and he's just yanking my head. He's got me in a headlock. I'm just talking away. Like I'm just not, he's got you like, I don't know. Of life. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. You just get, <laughs> it's amazing what you get used True. to, right? Yes. And what yeah. just becomes normal. So yeah, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm thinking this person who's asked this question is probably concerned and um, totally. maybe it's a, Problem, and I don't know what si- particular situation they're worried about this in. Um, but if it if it at all can be appropriate and it can be um, normalized um, in that particular environment, I say let it go. Um, it's a it's a, a way for them to purpose. feel comfortable and regulated. And if at all possible, there are situations where it's not appropriate, or you know it can be disruptive. Mm-hmm. Um, but but if you if it if you can at all just let it go, I would just let it go.
0: Yeah. So um yeah. well Go I would ahead, like jeans,
2: yes. a caveat to all of that. So one I can totally relate to people missing Rory's stims when he's not there when he was out sick from school. Kids were kind of hearing phantom noises. They kept thinking they heard Rory in the hallway or in class and they were just so used to the expectation, the anticipation of the things, you know, the 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 latest and greatest of uh, Rory's greatest hits. That's what I call them with his, his scripts that he has, um, which are all vocal stims, and he does it constantly. There are definitely times where I try to redirect it. Um, there's other times where I'm happy that he's doing it because I could tell we're within a audience of people who didn't realize that my child had a disability, and that usually then presents an opportunity to have a conversation. Um I would say that there are parents that specifically, if you are brown and black, you don't have the privilege to just let it go because it's not accepting and people are expecting compliance from those children and that puts them in a dangerous situation. And I know that we've had Tiffany on the podcast, uh, last year, um, We didn't cover that in discussion, but she's covered that many times on her platform. And that is a problem because Aiden very much vocally stims all of the time. Um, And a lot of people are not accepting of it. And there's where it has caused conflicts with, with law enforcement and stuff like that because people don't understand it and they want him to just stop. Or they think it's scary or freaky and they and they run away, especially when they are in public situations where it would be kind of, you know, in a kid neutral area. Um, I think it depends on the parent. It depends on the situation. They, um, Rory went to the Nutcracker, uh, with his class and actually the whole third grade body this year, uh, or this past year. And, uh, of course there were Everyone in his class was fine with it, but the classes from other schools that were attending were very perturbed with Rory and telling him to be quiet. Mm-hmm. And his aides were getting mad at those kids, being like, you don't talk to my – he's fine. He's fine. Mind your business, you know. Like, mm-hmm. yes, like under other normal circumstances, sure, it may, it may not be appropriate. Yeah. Um, but they – I love that staff just lets him be. and and it and in an educational setting it's it's become normalized but i also realize that it is a it's sort of a privilege because not all kids are are you know and that's i think where the anxiety comes from there's a there's also the the parental typical anxiety of like you're trying to get you know compliance with your kid and you're trying to you may not have the agency to 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 deal with it, and if you're new you're new to this journey, you haven't developed the endurance that, like specifically, like Brittany has, where she's that's just her normal. You know, she doesn't. It's not there. There isn't any any difference. Um, but I think for parents that are are worried, and especially if you do, I mean, I still am worried, even though Rory is a he's not a black male but he, but being a male in general, as he gets older into adolescence and because his disability is invisible, I worry Mm -hmm. about when, you know, if he encounters law enforcement and they don't understand him, um, or any kind of authority figure and, um, they're they're trying to, they're trying to get, they're not, they're not interpreting his vocal stems in a correct manner and, and what that would be like. So I think it's an honest fear, you know, it's not an, an honest, um, concern. And I just say that for me, I think it's, it, evolves and it's a case by case basis. And especially as Rory gets older, I think it's going to evolve more. I think obviously in our typical settings inside of home life or our typical, typical community settings that we are, you know, placing ourselves in, Mm -hmm. it'll all be fine, but it'll Mm -hmm. be those very, you know, random occurrences that happen that do have to happen because when you take your kid to the doctor or you, you are in public for some reason, you know, the, there's you're encountering a bunch of different strangers that are not those are people that are not novel to you or your child, and so that's where it does become it becomes challenging. I so I totally get it, and it, we've definitely had issues with that on the airplane. The last flight we took, uh, which was last year, the way home, the mom in front. And the and the person, actually the mom and the woman sitting uh, to the right of that family were very unkind to Rory and did not appreciate his vocal stimming at all.
3: <laughs> so I think uh, there was not much yeah, that we could do. About let's it. Well, hold on. Let's share Tiffany's. Do you want to share Tiffany's contact info because I think that would be really helpful for people.
2: Mm. Oh, her F- handle her is handle. at at fidget dot and dot fries yeah. and it's Tiffany Hammond that's t- t- Hammond, yeah, mm-hmm. so you can look up and follow her page um because she shares very openly and articulately what her experience is like, and her as a parent just saying too like she doesn't care, she's gonna let him do it, and mm-hmm. there's times where mm-hmm. she has to get confrontational with strange strangers who mm-hmm. are struggling with it um and she's definitely a uh, self
3: too. So Mm -hmm.
2: yeah. Yeah. And she, and it's a, it's a pick your battle type Mm -hmm. circumstance.
0: Um, I, I would just say like with, for Jack, you know, Jack has always been a, um, his, his biggest stimming has been vocal stimming and it's, and it is, um, what, you know, what they call scripting. Um, and so there, there have been times in, um, you know in like speech therapy and just like in school where we've we've not we don't stop jack from doing it but we've had to um you know teach him to it has to be at a at a at a quieter level you know when he was younger i feel like it was really hard he was just they're, they're little they're not aware of their their space and and really what's even going on around them so he he would be really he would get really really loud when he was doing it um but as he's as he's become older um you know he's i i mean i'm i'm assuming this he's recognized you know that this is that's his safety thing that's his his calming mechanism um but he also realizes that it's you know it it he can do it quiet, quietly. So Jack is constantly, I mean, from the minute I pick him up from school, he's in the back seat, um, does not want to have a conversation with me, but he's back there, you know, scripting, stimming. And, um, and he'll do that like a ton through the rest of the evening. He does it, you know, all the time. Um, so, but now again, it's that, I think it's that age where maybe he's more aware. Um, and and so it's not like that super loud octave like it was when he was, you know, two,
3: three,
2: four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, some you know, kids res- do gain that. Reciting. So, some kids. Yeah, and so and kids they do. And I'm not saying that, that, that
0: that's going to happen. Yes. I'm not going to say that that's going to happen. I'm, I'm definitely – I'm not putting that out there. I'm just saying some – I feel like as they're growing, maybe they um, – they recognize but also jack's jack again jack's stimming is is you know scripting so it's going through an entire show or book or whatever it might be and you know reciting it until he feels calm so Mm -hmm. yeah anyways yeah (laughs) okay on to the next question speaking of um of of possibly causing anxiety.
3: Oh, great! <laughs> <laughs>
1: How
0: do you deal? <laughs> How do you deal with your child's anxiety, even while on meds?
3: When you find out,
0: yes, call me. Please let us
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, does anybody want to go first? This is a, this is still a so struggle. So, is this for a is Is this like, is the question, is it how with our own, like we're medicated or our children are medicated or both?
0: No, how do we, how do we, I mean, I guess if you want to answer both, but how do you deal with (laughs) their anxiety, their anxieties, even, Mm. even with them being on medications? Mm. So, so I'll go first, really quickly, because because we don't quite have it figured out. But Jack has a high amount of anxiety. He he, I never noticed it at a younger age, but the older he's getting, um, he's he is nervous about everything, and um, and I, maybe there's something in, in correlation to him getting onto a stimulant for his ADHD. I don't know what it is, or maybe it's just the age where he's becoming again, more aware. Um, but we really have to just like go through a verbal, um, you know, kind of social story or like basically just talking to him off the ledge because he will be I mean, wrestling is a, is a perfect example, you know, when he gets done res- having a wrestling match um, and he knows he has to wrestle again and he's, and he's like getting, you know, elevated, amped up in his, elevated, amped up in his mind because he's, he's just going through all of these scenarios. It's going to be hard. I'm not going to be able to do it. They're going to be, str-, you know what I mean? And it, so it's like sitting down and, you know, doing some of the, Deep compressions and and yes, it is going to be hard. You know what I mean. And just kind of walking through just a calming process to bring him back down. But we don't have it figured out. So that's all
2: I have to say about that.
0: <laughs> I, I, I there's I'm just trying I to keep myself from getting anxiety.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, a lot of his anxiety gives me anxiety, and then my anxiety can also give my kids anxiety. It's just it's just like we're just throwing anxiety and back and forth I'm at just each other.
0: Sweating, it's talking great. about this.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even us, when we talk sometimes like, Oh God, now I'm getting anxiety.
3: <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> now I'm anxious. <laughs> Fantastic.
2: Um, but I, so it, I think it all depends on the situation. Um, one, you know, we definitely, uh, he takes anxiety meds twice a day. Um and that definitely helps. And then if he's peaking really high, I, I can tell once it's reached a point of there's no redirection, well, then I'll use a rescue med, which means he'll get kind of two of his anxiety pills that he already takes twice a day. Um, and that will help. I, I know that by 30 minutes from there, that will reduce it. Um, he has a chewy. Um, sometimes it's, we are immediately just removing all stimuli, you know mm-hmm. any any simulation we're reducing it down as much as possible environmentally and then then reintroducing him once he's calmed down. um social stories obviously help, but sometimes when it's an unanticipated thing and there's not a social story for it, you know you that's that's where the other things come into play and you try to find other create other narratives of association to help calm his mind um i yeah i mean it's 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 been a constant moving target because of what we do for his anxiety now is not what we were doing you know 5 years ago or even 4 or 3 years ago um and i think that especially as we're stepping into adolescence here shortly um you know, that's, it's going to change again. Um, you know, some of these things will still kind of be tools in our toolbox, but I think it, I think it will change. So you know, and there's always obviously like just the other things you have around the house, any kind of, um, uh, deep pressure, um, activities, whether again, you're applying the deep pressure yourself or weighted blanket or things with like resistance and tension and, Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it all just, it all just depends. Yeah, we don't, we definitely don't have it figured out. We just have some tools, tools, (laughs) some Mm -hmm. tools.
0: Brittany, what about you? Because, um, you know, Austin and Ruby are very different, but I know that you've discussed, you know, Ruby's anxiousness sometimes with certain ideas of certain things like her baptism or, you know, um,
1: yeah. Yeah. Ruby, um, it is very, very different. Austin's anxiousness tends to, cause he, cause he does not have a lot of verbal communication, almost none. Um, it, uh, his anxiety does not manifest itself in that way. It's more of a, a restlessness in mm-hmm. his physical body and moving around. And so that, um, tends to be more of a, we try to change the environment. We try to, um, Notice possible um, triggers or uh, things that are causing the anxiousness, and it's 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 all about regulation, right? It's a sensory thing for him more, um, and then we we try to lessen some of those um, stimuli if possible, and create a more calming environment for him. Um, he certainly gets anxious around doctors' appointments and in certain environments where he it's important and he it's necessary for him to be there. And it's it's about distraction for him and trying to get him as comfortable as possible. Um, snacks, you know, an iPad, um, mm-hmm. a favorite, you know, chewy or whatever, like Jean said. So, yeah, it's it's um, it's a little bit more ambiguous and can change from moment to moment with Austin. With Ruby, it's much more verbal. Um, she isn't. Awesome about being able to express her anxieties and tell me mm. why or how or what's going on exactly. I just know that she is. Um, there's a heightened emotion. Um, there's a re- her vo- her verbal um, communication tends to. She-, she loses some of her ability to really um, speak clearly or to communicate clearly, and she will repeat herself um, quite a little bit um, and gets in loop. V- you know, like a vocal loop where she'll just Mm -hmm. kind of say the same things over and over and over again. Uh, and it can be quite daunting and, and be, um, a long process to, to bring her back down to a point where she can communicate more effectively. So it's a lot of deep pressure. It's a lot of physical touch and like holding her or being near her physically, um, that, uh, comfort of, you know, another person that's near you and, and trying to, to help you, you know, hugs and snuggles and things and, mm-hmm. and talking it through. Um, every year it gets a little, it changes and it's a little bit easier, um, being able to talk to her because she has more language and, and more understanding and more experience herself. So, um, it's tricky. It depends on what they're anxious about and how often and if it's environmental versus what's maybe going on in their own mind or right. with their own mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like external anxiety versus internal anxiety. So yeah, I kind of have to Figure out which one that is, and then approach it that way. Right. <laughs> we could talk about this. Could be a whole episode. It really could. So yeah. Maybe we should. Yeah. Maybe we could.
3: Shani,
0: shan, shan.
3: <laughs> I don't need to add anything. Okay. All <laughs> oh, good enough. <laughs>
0: Aye, aye, Captain. Um, Okay, here we go. Uh, I cannot speak on this, so you girls go right ahead. Uh, ABA versus preschool. This person is scared to make the wrong decision. I get it. I do. (sighs) Totally. We've never done ABA, but I get it. I get, you know.
2: Yeah. Uh, I remember.
0: Y'all have done ABA.
2: Yeah, but I just did a medical. Did you do it in yesterday. lieu
0: of um, preschool, or um, because I do? I do have friends who have done that, and they
1: regretted it. So I've done. I did both.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Gracie mm-hmm. did we both. Did, also, yeah, we just mm-hmm. did. Like I, I, I remember that conundrum and really wondering what's best, and so. <laughs> My tendency is to well why I'll just do all of it then. Mm-hmm.
0: That's, mm-hmm. that's
1: what I do. So um, <clears throat> um, now that doesn't mean if if this particular person is they're being requested to do forty hours of ABA and preschool, I would say that's not a fabulous idea. I don't think forty right. hours of ABA is ever really a good idea. I don't and know, maybe maybe I, there's circumstances oh, where that would yeah. work, but yeah. I
0: assume this person is probably um, Freshly in the diagnosis, they're at that age where it's like, okay, do we just do full time forty hours a week of of yeah. ABA, or do we do you know ABA but also have them in the school district starting on their you know right. on their IEP and and the and the and in the program. I think um, if I
1: yeah, if I could recommend anything, I don't know the particulars, and so you really do have to take that all into consideration. This is just right. with- very, very little personal information for this one particular person. So this is not a expert, you know, <laughs> don't take this as some like, like rule that everyone must follow. But, um but I think there's benefits in doing both. I think uh because you get the social, socialization with the preschool mm-hmm. versus the structure with the ABA and the one on one time with the ABA, I'm assuming mm-hmm. they're getting a one on one ABA session. Um I think there are benefits and negatives to both, and I mm-hmm. think if you do both of them, um, in a way that is not completely taking over your life, you know, mm-hmm. um, every other day or, or just a shortened amount of time for each, then you're going to maybe see what your child responds to, and then you're going to right. be able to make a maybe better informed decision after uh, you know a few months or a year, and then and then move forward with what really is working for your your child.
2: Yeah. 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 Here's what I did. I felled in the cheese. Let me tell you how I did it. (laughs) So originally I originally Rory got, when he did get approved for ABA, um, he was accepted into this private preschool. I wasn't willing to do the, um, and he was not a previous preschool before his diagnosis as well. Um, and he was getting speech and OT, and they could come there. So, and also to our, our home. So, I didn't, we weren't exactly, you know, it wasn't really impeding um, on our time at that moment or even his, because it was kind of all happening simultaneously. But the, um, once he was approved for ABA, um, he got approved for almost 40 hours we weren't using it all fully in the beginning because he got into that private preschool. Well, the private preschool was not working out. Um, and, um, sadly. And so then what we did was is that we did decide to do full time with ABA until I was ready to streamline him into public school. Um, I did find it very important, for him to still have interaction with neurotypical peers, um, you know, and not just his kin Um, because there was engagement at the center, but it's not the same um, Mm -hmm. clearly. And I still think that he benefited in the neurotypical preschool prior to diagnosis um, as he learned a lot of, he learned to herd with the group per se. And he also got potty trained. But it was a huge undertaking. And once he was streamlined into public school, then there came the the mud. You know, that this is where it got messy because we did have to reduce the ABA hours in order to to accommodate school. And we were kind of splitting, doing half and half. He was doing half preschool and half ABA. I wanted... ABA to be happening while he was at school and trying to get him that support there. And, um, that was a battle I was not winning. Um, and then when the year that me and the school district went our separate ways for just a year, um, we had to fight and get more hours and he was back to doing full-time ABA with trying to keep in mind how we were utilizing his, still focusing on his IEP goals, even though medically speaking, you could not, you can't make an IEP goal, an actual target in the treatment plan. However, you can so indirectly by keeping an eye on like, well, what, what's the final goal here? We could keep that on the, in the, the scope of, of where we were heading in order to make sure he was prepared to transition back into school come the following year. So I think, you know, I always, I, I think you still need both, but I do think it's all circumstantial. There's a lot of kids that sometimes their behaviors are so, so severe, um, that and they're so aggressive, even at that younger age, that until they know how to regulate themselves, it's hard to then fold them into that environment um, and that preschool environment. So I know that's another reason why a lot of times the parents will then wield to the side of we're just going to do ABA um, because even like I've said taking on and learning the whole education system after what you're just learning the medical model of things, it's a huge undertaking. And so it's a huge commitment for you as the parent, um, to learn that and being ready to, to step into that arena. Um, so being able to do both at the same time, it is, it is a huge undertaking and if you don't have that agency or capacity, especially if you have parents, a a single parent that has to work, or you have two working parents and there's not a a choice for someone to stay home, to be the main caregiver, there's no way to kind of keep doing both. Um, Especially at that initial point. It's, it's a lot, it's, there's a lot of nuance to, to, to consider.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say, it is all dependent on all of those things where you're at, where you're at in your child's diagnosis, their age. You know, um, if this is, you know, if you can hit the ground running hard with multiple hours of ABA and then able to shorten that and have them in their, you know, pre K year in the school district. I think, I think to me, my opinion, Natasha, that is would be my best advice, especially if they are going to be a kiddo in an integrated, um, program at school, you know, um, and even if not, even if your school district has the, uh, the capability of housing, you know, different, different elementaries with different special needs programs, um, it still kind of gets, gets your child used to that setting, I suppose. Um, Yeah. so, Anyways, Shannon.
3: Um, Gracie did both. So, you know, she started out at a private preschool and then we did a few days at the private preschool and she did the elementary school preschool. Um, And then, you know, it was sort of an interesting time because we started ABA and then COVID hit. And Mm -hmm. so Gracie didn't go like the first semester of kinder. So we were doing a lot of at-home ABA during that six-month period. Um, And then when she transitioned to kinder, we put her in half-day kinder. So she did half-day of kinder and then came home and did ABA for a few hours. Mm -hmm. Um, I think ABA drastically helped Gracie. We have no Mm -hmm. complaints about ABA except for the high turnover. So like if you don't get a great you know rbt or bcba you know there can be a lot of turnover which is frustrating um and then we're currently like we're on a break from aba but i don't have anything against aba so i just think it depends it depends for each family and what works best for you Mm -hmm. um i know that Mm -hmm. there's some kids who do school for part of the day and aba for the other part of the day so Mm -hmm. i think you just have to weigh it all out and what's best for you and your kiddos yeah. yeah. Well, Go and there's never
0: there's never a decision that you can't change. You know, yeah. there's never exactly you can make the choice, and if it's not working, then then you can change it. Absolutely. Um, so that is the positive. Okay. Parenting styles. <laughs> what do y'all do <laughs> if you parent different than your significant other? This
1: is truly a whole nother episode.
0: <laughs> this might be <laughs> yeah, I'm like this that.
3: Be an entire episode. <laughs> mm. <laughs> we may have to skip. Should we? We need to. Should Let's skip- do an episode on that. <laughs> Should
2: we? Yeah. Okay. I-, I think I'm just laughing to myself because the inner dialogue right now. Is
3: <laughs> yeah. an episode all on its own? Just the inner dialogue.
0: We're going to skip that one, you guys, and uh, look for that in a full, <laughs> lengthy, very Sorry lengthy for
2: the episode. Yeah. Sorry for the cliffhanger. Yeah.
1: I mean, just moving keep- on <laughs> communication. Like, let just say that one word, and then we'll talk about it more in depth. Yeah, it's totally. all about communication. Mm-hmm. There, are so many
0: moving parts and multifaceted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, extracurricular activities. Do we have any tips, tricks, or ideas for our kiddos in doing extracurricular stuff? Hmm. Whether that be sports or you know some kind of art class outside of school. Or um, Tosh, why don't you start? Because Jack's
1: involved in a lot of stuff.
0: Yes. Um, so uh, in in our area in Washington. Um, <clears throat> Our per the professional team over here, the the timbers, they have um, a huge soccer program and uh, a, a specialty portion of that is a uh, program for kiddos with more exceptional needs. And that could be anything, any, any physical or mental disabilities. Um, and so this was the first year this last fall that we did that with Jack and it was incredible. It was, it was so neat to, um, To be able to watch him uh grow in something and and but also to have him be around um kiddos that were similar to him but also vastly different you know kiddos with down syndrome and um some kiddos that had no uh you know mental disability and 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 all physical um super awesome program so if you if you can look that up in your area um and try to find, and it could be anything. They have, they have baseball here. They have basketball. Um, so you could, you can find anything, uh, wrestling. Jack did, um, was very excited about doing wrestling. Uh, however, they do not have a wrestling club specifically geared for kiddos, um, you know, with higher needs, um, you're with disabilities. Yes. And, um, we decided to move forward with that. And Jack has done awesome. Um, it not, it, and it, <laughs> and it has not come without, uh, struggle, you know, Tyler had, had to be at practices with him. Um, so that basically Tyler was helping the coaches coach Jack, you know, that D- Tyler could be on the mat with him. Um, um, you know, Jack definitely w- did not pick up on, a lot of the the moves and all of that like the other kiddos did because of some of the challenges that he has and and the the time of, you know, nighttime practices and medication being off board, etc. um but it it's been a great experience. It's been a great experience both. Um and actually here the spring, you know, right now we are um putting him him in just the typical soccer club, campus soccer club. So uh, we shall see how that goes. I'll awesome. stay tuned.
2: It's <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. Every state is different. Um, so Rory this year finally got involved, um, with special Olympics because at the age of eight, um, then they can sign up and they can compete. Um, and here in Texas, uh, special Olympics is actually sanctioned as a UIL sport. Um, it's not in every state, but you could still be a part of the Special Olympics chapter um, designated in your state, even if they are not sanctioned UIL, um, but you can help to advocate to, to get that going. I think the biggest thing is that's hard um, is there's not until even until our kids are eight or nine, there's not um, there's not there's not much in between that um in terms of what's available in terms of the community and for your kids to be involved in any kind of extracurricular and I think even to be honest um for majority of those years prior to now his schedule was so monopolized by therapy um therapies or or classes like you know we did pretty pretty rigorous um swim lessons for two years in a row, um, that took up like an eight week, eight week period. And, you know, and that was on top of all of the therapies and stuff. So there, you know, and we've, we had tried like getting him involved, him involved in jujitsu, um, in martial arts about mm, three years ago. And that was not going well at all. Um, In fact, it went completely sideways and now he's completely averted to it. But um, watching him step up into Special Olympics has been great. I just really, really in my own avenues trying to advocate to figure out what we can do to bridge the gap for our kiddos between now and then. Because I still think for families and for those kids, it's important for them to feel like a kid, like everyone else. Um, And for us to have community around us, because I'll I'll be honest, there's times with, um, you know, ABA drop off and pick up and and any kind of therapy, that even if you had a moment to have an exchange with a parent at that time, most of the time, the parents were too exhausted just from that transition period. So whatever it took, you know, whatever took place in the car to get into the car, get out of the car, get into the building. Any kind of wait time to transition. Like by that time, there's no like you did not want to have any interpersonal kind of <laughs> relationship and like trying to make friends with other parents. In that, <laughs> by the time, and sometimes you may be coming off of like a really bad transition or a meltdown, and you're just like kind of in a stunned state where you're just like I can't even formulate words right now. Um, and that seemed like up for a significant time during, during those younger years, what that was experienced was like, so I can't, I didn't even have the capacity to think about extracurriculars at that time because our time was just so monopolized, monopolized by therapies. But I think if there was other options to be considered, um, and an accessible, I think I would have probably shifted my gears and my sales because I do think that those avenues lend for other ways of development experience, necessary development experience for our kids and for us as families and that connection part. Absolutely. Um, I
1: think that if there are opportunities and you find an extracurricular activity that not only fits into your schedule, but that you think your child can succeed and enjoy, mm-hmm. um, whether that's a special needs program or a typical program or whatever it is, try it out. Mm-hmm. And just like we've said before, if it doesn't work, you can stop doing it. You might be out right. some money and that, that's the risk we have to take, mm-hmm. unfortunately, um, just like any child. You know, if they take piano lessons and they absolutely hate it, you know, maybe you're out some some money for that or whatever it is. Um, but but you've tried it, and <sighs> that's really the only way you're going to find out what they can handle and what they can't and what they enjoy. Sometimes um, Ruby's done um, gymnastics program, um, and she started having some anxiety and some problems with that after a while. Uh, just it, I think she was just completely overstimulated with the environment around her. And those were things that I could, we could not, um, change. reasonably, um, change. Mm-hmm. Um, they would have, they were happy to work with me, uh, but up to a certain point, I decided, you know what this, the whole environment, I can't make you like burn down your gym and rebuild it for my kid. Like there's just only so much one can do. So, um, Come on, wave your magic powers. Come on. Yeah. No, I mean, let's all be reasonable here. Yeah, I wish. So, uh, so yeah, uh, we've taken a break from that and, um, we're looking into some other things for her. She's doing a, a, a bi-monthly. So every other week, little program at our church and she's loving Mm -hmm. that and, and thriving there, um, And then we're looking into maybe, I would like to try maybe some horseback riding um, or uh, possibly a dance class next. Mm -hmm. I think those are less um, noisy and crazy and smaller groups of kids instead of one large gym with multiple classes going on at once and -hmm. just, you know, general mayhem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Adorable little leotard clad mayhem, but mayhem nonetheless. So. uh
3: shanny shan i'm gonna unmute myself first there you go Uh, i was moving (laughs) around signaling to her i was moving around a lot i didn't want to get yelled at by our podcast editor um (laughs) i was saying I Her. am in the place that Brittany mentioned where I cannot take even one more thing on my plate at the moment, so mm-hmm. we are not yeah. even worried about extracurriculars at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's okay. I have checked into a couple to see what they have in the area. Unfortunately, the soccer never even got back to me. so <laughs> that may what? not be a viable option.
2: Um, can I can I can I <sighs> can I rewind you 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 paused when you said I checked in. And I was like, "Oh, finish that sentence." I checked into mental hospital.
3: I would like to check
2: in to mental (laughs) hospital. Mm, I was like on the edge of my seat. Oh
3: my god! Please, there's a very renowned place here. But
2: Shannon, you uh,
3: Gracie is doing the um, camp this summer. Uh, Yeah, but that's not really an extracurricular. That's like go somewhere that's not school. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, to me, I think, you know, not just like sports or whatever, but I think like even, even in the summertime, you know, a lot of churches obviously hold their VBS Mm -hmm. and, and, um, you know, some people want to, um, take their kids to that, but they're afraid, you know, or, Mm -hmm. or finding a church that has a, a program that can specifically, you know, um, handle uh children with more exceptional needs you know that they have a um special needs you know region of their church so in their ministries so you know people being able to find that that's a great Mm -hmm. place for your 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 kids to be
2: well yeah your camp though shannon is through funneled through the jcc Right, yeah.
3: I right mean, around. we don't even know if Gracie's which gone. is very community based, it is yeah. very difficult to get into this camp. So, I'm just trying to pull all the strings. All
1: right, you guys are using a lot of acronyms. I was gonna, I know, this. I was no idea
2: that. what you're talking I have about. No. Jewish I have no idea. community center, Jewish JCC is Jewish
3: community center, yeah. Okay, oh, VBS, okay. come
2: on, Tosh, give us the details. Oh, I'm sorry, Vacation
3: Bible School, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, we're, we're trying to get Gracie into a summer program through the Jewish Community Center here in Tucson. No, we are not Jewish. Um, it is renowned. It is an amazing program, and it's very difficult to get into. Um, so I'm working all the magic that I can possibly work and praying that we actually get a spot in it this summer. Um But as for everything else in life, maybe when I feel like I can breathe, we'll look into something else. But for now, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we are just being us over here. Mm -hmm.
0: TBD, that means to be determined. To be determined. Okay, last question, y'all. How how do we cultivate adult friendships? Especially... those it's funny cuz i do just not touched on that do not have neurodiverse children
1: well you could make you could start a podcast <laughs> <laughs> you could, if you
0: have a
3: lot um,
1: of no, us. like like, like we, we, like we have, um, maybe I shouldn't suggest that because we don't want the competition, but <laughs> there's only so many hours in a day for people you can to start to- a podcast, but good luck. No, good luck. We're not even using any tips. <laughs> no. Um, Cultivating We're our editor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't have our editor. If you're, who if is you're Tosh? Lucky. By the way, Tosh is our editor. And she does <laughs> a fabulous job. Um, oh, <laughs> but yes, um, cultivating friendships this, with other families similar to yours and those who maybe are not. Um, I think. I think especially on the not side. You the know, not that side. They, okay, they let's don't focus have
0: on that, that. They don't have that firsthand understanding and experience. Um,
1: yes. So I think a great place to start is exposure. Mm-hmm. And um, if you want to cultivate a friendship or ma- maintain or continue a friendship with a family who maybe doesn't have um, as much hands-on experience, you need to create those experiences for them to to gain that exposure. Um, and that that doesn't mean you just invite everyone over and hope for the best. I mean, you can create environments that give you the best possible chance for success. Um, Mm -hmm. if that means meeting on a neutral place, like a playground or a park or something like that, or find a, um, activity that, you know, your neurodivergent child does well in, and then invite that family to join you in that activity. That's Mm -hmm. a place to start. You can invite people over, um, and then I think, you know, it's that's just, it's up to your comfort level and what's going on with your particular needs. But, um, and then I think a lot of people, um, especially if they have limited exposure to your family or neurodivergence in general, they are scared of offending you or mm-hmm. nervous mm-hmm. about saying the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I think I um, encounter that more than people being. Outwardly rude or, um, you know, right. unreasonable, un, um, not accepting, not yeah, accepting yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Of, of the situation. Uh, so, uh, and if, if they're not accepting the situation, then you're obviously yeah. not going to want Aye. to continue that friendship anyway. Aye. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, so I think if you bring it up first, and talk about it, that doesn't mean you sit down and you're like, okay, we're going to have a 30 minute discussion about all the sensory needs my child needs. Are you, Do you have a notebook and paper because you need to take notes? Like That's not what I mean. But if you start mentioning it in maybe a casual or more organic way, then I find that people naturally begin to ask questions when they realize you are comfortable talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if it's something that you're not comfortable with, then you need to be, you know, make that, make that, clear in a very loving and kind way. So they will continue to ask questions, uh, you know, and and continue that friendship. And the more knowledge someone has, and the more exposure they have, the more comfortable they're going to be. And then you're going to be able to continue those relationships. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's, that's kind of my, my recipe. Yeah. So,
0: Shannon, you, um, I want you to speak specifically on this because you do have – your best friend is – has younger kiddos, Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. around Gracie's age and who are neurotypical Mm -hmm. and you guys have carried on an incredible – and I mean, I know you guys have known each other since, you know, before the kids were born, correct?
3: Well – Okay, so, it, so Ish, it depends. Or shortly after. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're talking about. Tar- Taryn. I'm talking about Taryn. Yeah. So yes. I actually met Taryn right when Gracie was like six months old. Um, okay. So before so, diagnosis. I mean, before diagnosis. Yeah, before yeah. diagnosis. Um, and Taryn's just great because she just accepts gracie and she knows that sometimes gracie mm-hmm. has hard days and sometimes gracie has good days and we've had awesome days where we've hung out all day and everything's great and then we've had days where we met at the park and i left very quickly with gracie thrown over at my shoulder because it was a very bad day <laughs> so mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. you know it's finding those people who can handle both days right like yeah. you've got if you are going to be my friend you have to be able to handle both days otherwise the we're good not, with the bad. yeah you're not we're not mm-hmm. able to hang you know um, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of people that I am friends with on an adult level but we don't do family things together because they may not be able to handle what that looks like um, and that's okay too like it doesn't mean we can't go to dinner every once in a while and hang or have coffee um, but we're probably not gonna do a lot of family stuff together um, mm-hmm. so And I wish I could tell you, like, I wish I could tell you how to find, you know, a friend that can handle both days. I think I got lucky with a handful of my friends or family members who can handle both days. Um, Mm -hmm. But then I've also been in the position where I've had to let go of what seemed like a strong relationship because they couldn't handle our family the way that it is. And they're still there. It's not that I love them any less. We just don't spend, you know, the same amount of time together. So, Mm yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. hard, yeah it's hard it, 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 it's, it's it is easy. I mean friendship is
0: hard without mm-hmm. you know kiddos being involved, yeah. but um yeah, that especially when you when you add in you know neurodivergence and and um and then people that have just never been around that you know, and they and they only know, you know. Neurotypical mm-hmm. kids and behaviors, and and even and then their their neurotypical kids are are jerks. Yeah, no,
3: <laughs> right. Well, there's that. Well, I just I go back and I remember.
0: I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm trying to no, lighten up. I know up. you're
3: hilarious. You're <laughs> hilarious. No, I'm just. But I remember the way I was when I only had Maya. Like I remember that Shannon. I remember right. that Shannon who walked yeah. through Target like yes. your kids being a jerk. Why don't you parent totally them? right? Like yes. So. It's like I get it. It's kind of like, well, when I'm a parent, I'm never gonna let my kid brr brr brr, brr right? And then you have a kid, yeah. neurotypical or not, and all of a sudden just, your kid's just don't doing ever the thing say that, that you would never. Just, that's allow. what I'm just
0: gonna say too. Yeah, Brittany, don't ever say no. that ever, ever.
3: So it's not will eat your words so kind fast. Kind of kid you have? Yeah. So it's just <laughs> yeah. one of those yes, things. You eat your words so fast, faster than you know. So it's just cool. one of those things where I have to just remember until I knew I didn't know. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I yeah. can
2: say so. Oh, sorry, Tosh. What were you going to say? No, no, go ahead. Nope, go ahead. So, we, so I have like my very best friends that I had from back east, and we're still the best of friends. Um, but we, I moved when Rory was two and McKenna wasn't born yet. And so I know that they would still be around you know, they're still around, they've, they've come and visited. I have had my kids when we have traveled back East and we, we've, we've all spent time together. Um, I would say that moving put me in a very unique situation of starting all over. And it felt like, it felt like dating. It was like, I don't have time to date new families and new parents to try out, like, am mm-hmm. I going to be friends with these people or not? And that was, and it was feeling particularly hard. Because clearly there was something going on with my son that was causing parenting to be more challenging for me. I just didn't know what it was. And we were completely on our own. We didn't have help. There was no nanny. There was no grandparents. There was occasionally visitations, um, but they were very, very sparse. And, um, And then it definitely became, once Rory became diagnosed, it was like those families I had connections with just started to trickle off. Like I just, Mm -hmm. you know, if it was, whether it was, you know, matter of schedule and timing um, because of, you know, the demands of the therapy hours and stuff and just not matching up and some other kids were starting very, you know, actively in all these extracurricular activities that my kid was not going to be able to participate in. And it, it immediately started to sideline us. And so, you know that was really, really hard, and I thought, "Oh my God, I mean, how am I ever going to have friends outside of what I already had?" It just felt like even more of a loss. I think that's a lot of how when we talk to a lot of our families in our community, I really um, that feeling that they have. I really, I really resonate because I feel like I I went through this in kind of a, in a drastic kind of way, um, and I think. I don't think I started to have or rebuild more relationships with other families that have neurotypical children until McKenna became of school age. And then I started to do that. I think McKenna being the neurotyp, having a, a, neur- a neurotypical child alongside my you know, neurodivergent one allowed me to then start to diversify my portfolio as Brittany always perfectly coined. So that which, which you, which you want to do. And then that That's allowed right. to create the way to create exposure re- more repetitiously um, and more consistently with Rory to these other families where they were like, well, if you're going to be friends with McKenna and your kids are going to be you know, friends with you, they're going to, ha- we're going to have to accept Rory because he comes with this package kind of thing. Um, and, and that has worked out swell. And so I have this, you know, f- finite group of, of local pair. I wouldn't even just say wouldn't distill it down to just moms because I would just say the families and the parents themselves, cause it's not just all moms, even though we all primarily are the ones that, that talk and conversate the most. But, um, and then stepping out into further advocacy has now also then allowed me to rebuild and create new relationships with other adult human beings that isn't strictly geared to me being just a parent as well. You know, um, yes, that definitely coincides and overlaps. And so, but that's a huge step to push yourself that far to like do something like that, you know? And I think you know, Tosh, you can definitely, well, and Shannon too, I mean, all three of us can can attest to that. Like when you are in having to be in other arenas where you're now showing up, whether it's, it's for work or other community work that you do, you no longer are just the mom with, you know, your disabled children or just a mom at home. Like we have these other layers to us and these other arenas that we now are operating in that then allows us to, again, give us that diversity in our life of fostering those other relationships and not feeling so isolated, but it does take work. You have to be intentional about it. And, um, it just doesn't happen. I mean, I guess it can kind of happen overnight if you do finally take that leap, but, you have to work at it and you have to, to carve it out. It just isn't going to happen organically as it maybe would if you were just, you know, mom of neurotypical kids and going about your life, you know, where it seems mm-hmm. much more easier and synergistic for those things to happen. It just takes, you know, more strategy. I mean, I think about it. I think about how we met and I'm sorry that I'm talking about this for so long, but thinking about how we met and where we all were when we met and Tosh, even looking at the nature of relationships that you had then and the nature of relationships and friendships you have now, Mm -hmm. you were very intentional about that. That was not Mm -hmm. something that just spontaneously occurred, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think your story has can have a profound impact on our community and that how you, you turn that around because you so badly, you you then, you made the connection with us, right? But we're not feet on the ground to each other. You know, we all Mm -hmm. still needed our feet on the ground people and you so badly wanted and and needed that for your family. That was a big part of just who you guys are socially and you made it happen. You know, Mm -hmm. you, you made it happen. And now you have, a wonderful community of families intimately that you, you know, and frequently have activities and share, you know, holidays and celebrations with and stuff like that. And it's mm-hmm. removed that pressure, you know, and then now you also it's opened up to other things that you're doing. So,
0: yeah, typical and, you know, diverse um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: friendships and, and, Kiddos and all of that. But yeah, I like, I like it to me. It all goes back to what Shannon said. Got to take the good with the bad. And if you can't, there isn't any, 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 I don't know what the word is, side relationship for me because... I ain't got no time right. for that.
3: <laughs> yep, there's the door. So Thank you and goodbye. If
0: you can't take the good and the bad, and you can't, um, you don't want to get on the education train and you don't want to teach, you know, your humans to be better humans, then bye. Yep. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> we are going to shut this down. <laughs> Shutting it down. And I I am a really kind person. I just want everybody to know. She is. But she I is. have no problem with.
1: Saying goodbye. (laughs) Letting you go. Yeah. (laughs) Assertively
2: letting you know that there is the door.
1: What did
0: I say in a previous episode? What what was it? uh, What did I say? I don't know. Something. Oh, gosh. It was so good. I'll put it
2: somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) We'll believe you, Josh. We'll believe you. As soon as you hit stop record, uh, you will then remember it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Okay. You guys, it has been so fun. Hopefully, some of this information um, you can use. Always, always, always feel free to reach out to us um, through our the podcast players or um, uh, through our Instagram, which is at Moms Talk Autism. What's our email again?
2: Hello, Hello. at Moms Talk Autism. At Moms Talk Autism. <laughs>
0: There it is. There it is. I remember some things and not others. So that's why I have the rest of you to keep me in line. Anyways, and we always love reviews because when we get those lovely reviews, it helps other like-minded families families find us and um, we can all share in this joy together. Uh, We love you guys. (laughs) 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 Until next time.
1: Peace. Bye. Bye.